0: Be opening your Bibles up to the letter to the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian letter. We've begun a study in there, and uh, we'll continue that today. And I hope you uh, are enjoying that so far. We've gone through a couple of, couple of Sundays on this, and I uh, hope we'll be able to glean some things today that are very, very good for you. We have a lot of young people here today. I know uh, with, with the, uh, the seventh grade and up, I believe we're supposed to be in here, so that's good. And uh, we began last week talking about some of the things that that Paul's talking about in the letter to to the church in Ephesus as far as their blessings, as far as the riches that these Christians have. In fact, if you look at verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Paul starts right off saying, you are blessed. You have great blessings in Christ Jesus. And then we began last week to kind of talk about some of those blessings, some of those riches. In fact, we said really the theme to the letter to the church in Ephesus is our riches, our blessings in Christ Jesus. We talked a little bit about that last week. And let's, let's go ahead and read some verses that we did read last week. But let's do that again. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, Just as he chose us in him... Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We talked about that last week, that those are the blessings that we have in the Father. We as adopted children of his, we as Christians have been chosen before time, not for salvation, as some would say. We're not chosen individually for salvation. We're not predetermined by God who's gonna be saved, right? But we, as his children, his church, have been chosen to, uh, to enjoy the riches of his blessings. Predetermined, predestined to receive the adoption as sons of God, right? That's what he's talking about here. As the church, as Christ came, We have been chosen because of his plan. We talked about how even before Adam and Eve, there was this plan. Adam and Eve came in. They were in the garden, right? It was perfect. It was a paradise, and they sinned. Adam and Eve ate of the tree of good and evil. They were told not to do that because of that sin came into the world, and Christ had to come because of that. We are not predestined for salvation. We are not chosen for salvation, specifically amongst others, but as that group as that um, universal church that was the plan before time and that's what Paul's saying here right that's what Paul is stating well how is that who we are sinners right are blessed by God how is it that we can be chosen in him how is it that we can be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ we're sinners right I just said Adam and Eve brought sin into the world and Jesus had to take it out by one man sent into the world By another, it was taken out. How is that done? How are we blessed in that way? This is only through Christ Jesus that we receive wonderful things like this. Let's continue to read there in chapter 1, starting in verse 7. In Him we have redemption, through His blood the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us The mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory paul paul can wax pretty eloquent can he i mean those are some very poetic verses right but what he's saying is we have great blessings, we have been blessed. Who, how, why, what? In him. How many times do you see that phrase in there? In him, in Christ, through Christ Jesus. He says it over and over. That, that's just 14 verses. And we've already heard that phrase several times, right? Amazing stuff. Well, we're talking about the theme of Ephesians being the blessings we have, the riches we have in Christ Jesus. And what is one of those? What is one of those great blessings that we have. Well, let's turn over to Romans chapter 7 for a minute. And we will, we will bounce around in verses here a little bit, so have your Bibles open and uh, be ready to look some verses with me. Romans chapter 7, and let's, uh, let's begin in verse 13. Romans seven thirteen. he says, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Wow, so Paul's saying, we are sinners. We can't help it, we're sold under sin. It's prevalent in the flesh. Turn over to Galatians chapter three. Let's see what Paul says there. Galatians three, and let's begin in verse 10. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, we we are bound to sin. We are carnal. We are in the flesh. We're not perfect. We're not complete except in Him through Christ Jesus. Turn over to John chapter 8. Let's read a couple of verses from there. John chapter 8. And begin in verse... uh, 34, John chapter 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You see, sin cannot be in the house of God. Sinners cannot abide there. The son can. Interesting how Paul relates that in that first chapter there that we become adopted sons of God. And we're going to expand on that in a minute. But the first blessing we have is what? Redemption through Christ's blood. What does that mean exactly? What, what does redemption mean? Well, you might say it's a, re, it's a releasing affected by a payment, a ransom given for us that we might be released, Right? Someone's captive, someone's a slave. Someone pays for their release to be free. That's what we're talking about here. By his death at the cross, Jesus paid that price to deliver us from that bondage of sin. And for that, he deserves praise. We now see how God can carry out his choice to have a people who are holy and without blame, right? Even though we're sinners. Adopted as sons unto him. When all he had to work with were sinners, right? Through the death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood, God was just to redeem us. <clears throat> Let's turn over to, I want to I see something about the days of old, about the Israelites. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 59. I want to read a couple of verses from there. This is not in your outline, but I want to point something out. And we have, a lot of, we have a lot of young people in here today, and I, I want you guys to hear it. I'm, I'm sure there's been some questions in your mind as, as it was with mine as I was growing up, and I was, I was learning, I was growing, about how, how is it, how is it that he redeemed us? How is it that in the Old Testament you had a lot of folks who were faithful, yet they didn't know who Christ was, right? Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Let's read a few verses from verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice. Nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. Who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. I could go on and on. Isaiah is talking about those in Israel, those who are sinners, those who cannot come before God in the state that they are in. Interesting stuff, right? Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. And, and young people, I want you to pay attention to this because this is, this is interesting, and this is something you've probably thought about. I know I have at times, and, and it's interesting how this plays out. Hebrews chapter 9, and let's read what the Hebrew writer says about some of this. I'm going to save my place there in Ephesians. Hebrews chapter 9, and let's begin in verse 1. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, notice that, the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, they still had the manna, replica of the manna, when they came through the wilderness, Aaron's rod that had budded, remember that? That was still there. And the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. Now have you ever pictured that, what that looked like? in the Holy of Holies behind the veil, which the Israelites could not enter because that's where God resided with them, in the tabernacle and then in the temple. Verse 6, Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year and not without blood. You see, sacrifices had to be made. The blood had to be sprinkled on the mercy seat before even the high priest could enter that holy of holies. Go behind the veil, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was still standing. That mystery wasn't revealed yet of how man would be redeemed. It was symbolic for the present time in which both, in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings of fleshy ordinances, imposed upon, imposed until the time of reformation. Verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise the eternal inheritance. What's the Hebrew writer saying here? The veil was torn. Turn over to Mark chapter 15 and let's see what that's all about. Mark chapter 15. <clears throat> Beginning of verse. Thirty-three. Young people, pay attention to this. This is going to help to explain it all. Now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which is translated, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And some of those who stood by, when they heard that, said, "Look, he is calling for Elijah." And then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. He died. And then what happens? Then the veil of the temple was torn in two, and it's interesting that Matthew and Luke don't mention this, but from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed, his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. All right, what does that mean? Have you, have you studied the, the details of the temple? Does anyone know how high the veil was? Not sure we know fully, but it was probably at least 30 feet or so, right? I understand that in the temple at least. It was probably about four inches thick. And miraculously, when Jesus died, it was torn down. Top what what's that mean why who cares now man could enter the presence of God the holy of holies all the sacrifices of blood and go- of, of, of bulls and goats was no longer needed why because the lamb the purest lamb of God the one who had been predestined before time had come And had shed his blood. That's what that's all about, guys. I know maybe you haven't considered that, but when you pray before God, do you realize you are able to go right into the Holy of Holies and do that? The Israelites could not, could not do it. Only the high priest, one day a year, and they had to have the incense. It had to had to go in. They could. It had to be murky. Had to have the blood everywhere sprinkled on the mercy seat for himself. And for the rest of the Israelites. They didn't have that same access that we had. Sure, they were faithful. They were faithful Israelites and they're saved. And if you've ever wondered about that, read Hebrews chapter 11 about the faithful, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Those who were looking forward. They didn't know what we know, they didn't know the blessing that we have in knowing about Christ Jesus. They were faithful and they were looking forward. And they were saved, those who remained faithful under the old law, but they didn't have the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. They didn't know about him yet. They had the prophecies, they had messianic prophecies, they knew that there was one to come. Didn't fully understand that, right? But there was something that we received through Christ Jesus that they didn't have. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting that we have that redemption. We have that blessing through redemption. What else do we get? Well, of course, part of that redemption is forgiveness of sin. We have that release. We have that release from bondage. We just talked about that. We are slaves of sin. We're carnal. Paul says he tries to do the things he did, but he can't. He's in the flesh. In the flesh, we have sin. That's no excuse, folks. Doesn't mean we just go on sinning, no. But we're not complete except, what? In Him. We have that blessing of forgiveness, a pardon. Our sins, our transgressions, our sidesteps, our backslides, whatever you want to call it, willful transgressions, unintentional error. Things that we may not even realize we've done are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. How do we receive this? Why do we receive this? Turn over to Titus chapter 3 and let's read a verse from there. Titus chapter 3. Let's just begin in verse 1. He says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to the peaceable, gentle showing of humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Through his wisdom, through his prudence, and his grace, we have been able to receive forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to point out something about that wisdom his wisdom his prudence we can't necessarily understand that right we can't know why why did he plan it this way why why was this done of course we know about his great love for us right and that's all we really need to know but because of his wisdom because of his prudence he has provided us his grace romans 11 turn over there let's read something from there romans 11 Beginning in verse 28 he says concerning the gospel they are enemies for your sake but concerning the election they are beloved for the sake of the fathers for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable for as you were once disobedient to God yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience even so those who also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you they also may obtain mercy for God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Read that part before because he's talking about those who were disobedient, how God used them, and now the depth of his riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable that is. How his judgments are not able to be understood. His wisdom is so great we can never know. But wait, there's more. What else has he done? What is another blessing, what is another great blessing we've had. He made known the mystery of his will. Interesting, right? Turn back to Ephesians. And let's look in chapter 3, see what it says. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ to the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effecting, effective working of His power. This is the mystery. Those in the Old Testament, those Israelites, who knew the law, who knew about the Messiah to come, not understanding fully, this mystery they did not have, who the Gentiles only knew through creation, not having the law, but knew there was God because of creation, because of the things they could see around them, right? The things that people today deny, right? Yeah. Interesting how even things from the Old Testament correlate today. Turn over to Romans chapter 6. I mean, chapter 16, please. Let's read something from there. Chapter 16. I said 6, but I meant 16. Verse 25. Chapter 16, 28. Now, Paul says, Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for, the, for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever, amen. His wisdom, his great wisdom, his great prudence, his will that he had predetermined before time was to send his son and reveal that great mystery to us that we might have riches and blessings in him. Redemption and forgiveness. And now we know the mystery. We know the mystery that even those in the Old Testament didn't know while they were in the flesh. All those faithful men that you can read about in Hebrews 11 and women did not fully know that mystery that had been revealed to us as Paul says here. The will of God that's now revealed pertains to what God had planned to accomplish in Jesus Christ. Turn over to Galatians 4. And let's read uh, just just read beginning of verse one, Galatians 4, it says now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Notice that? We were in bondage. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. God's plan was to be carried out in the fullness of time, right? At the appropriate time. Through his wisdom and prudence and his grace, he determined to be. When was that? Well, of course, we read about it in the New Testament, right? The Lord was crucified. Then he ascended. Church established here on earth on the day of Pentecost. And from that day forward, you might say, has been the fullness of times. Up until that time, they didn't know the mystery. It's still a mystery to them. Now it's been revealed to us in the fullness of times. God's plan was to gather together in one. All things Christ. What's that mean? Not just the Jews. Gentiles too. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 there. Let's read a little verse there. Uh, beginning of verse 14. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them, both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. You see, when that veil was torn, it wasn't just for the Israelites. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for all mankind, Jews and Gentiles alike. I don't know if anybody in here has a Jewish ancestry. I would bet to say that probably, I'll say 99.99%, are Gentiles in here, right? Maybe, maybe one or two of you have some. I don't. We may have more than I thought. Up north, I think that would be different. So, aren't you glad we were included? We get to know the mystery <laughs> that the Israelites didn't know. You ever thought about that? That's an awesome thing, isn't it? Awesome thing. the ultimate consequence of this reconciliation is that we might be presented what as Gentiles who the Jews despised thought they were unclean yet we get to be presented holy and blameless through Christ Jesus that's a wonderful blessing that's one of those riches that we have in him we get to go in the Holy of Holies before God as Gentiles as people of the world in the flesh and speak right to him. We can talk right to him. The creator of the universe. I know I'm getting a little excited, but that's awesome to think about, right? That's a wonderful thing. And the world despises it. I want you to pay attention to that. The world despises that. They think we're stupid. We can talk to God. That should be something you... Think about every day the fact that you can actually talk to God and He'll hear you. Do you do that? I hope you do. What is the final thing that we get through the Son, that last blessing? Well, He says we have obtained an inheritance. In ASV, you might see that where it says it's He made we're made a heritage, but the context says we we are receiving an inheritance as adopted sons of God. Does the slave get the inheritance? No, it's the son who gets the inheritance, right? We've received an inheritance. What are we talking about here? <clears throat> well, in the New Testament, it's said that it's our, something that's ours or intended for us, right? An inheritance that we've received as adopted sons of God and he's making similarities to what we talked about in Colossians also but he speaks of how we are here we are heirs which has been predetermined before time that those who he adopted would receive the inheritance right this is another blessing we have the final results going to be that we have this inheritance that we should be uh glorifying God and and it's kind of hard to maybe that's not making a lot of sense, but turn turn over to uh, Colossians one. We talked about this um, when we studied Colossians, but look, turn over there real quick. Let's just see what he says there. <clears throat> um, beginning of verse nine, he says, "For for this reason, verses chapter one, verse nine of Colossians for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it.'" Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all mind according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sins. So we have received an inheritance. What is that inheritance? The kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven. We have received that eternity with Him, that inheritance of being part of the kingdom, that inheritance of being part of His glory as we continue to grow and work in the kingdom, we are glorifying God. And through his glory, we receive (laughs) that. In other words, God's glory is great. When we praise, when we serve, when we grow spiritually, when we do things and are examples to others that the world thinks are stupid, you know when we show love to someone and concern because of their soul and maybe even have to rebuke someone because we see where they're living and we want and we have a concern for them and the world says that ain't love that's hate they don't understand that's a blessing that we receive right we know there's more to this life than just being on earth in the flesh we know we have an eternity to look forward to. In fact, we're in eternity now. And we live with that great joy, that abundance of life that John talked about because of the riches and the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. I guess Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. How many times have I said that in here? What, what's the purpose? Why are we created? glorify God. Do good works. That's it. Our whole purpose in life is to glorify God. Now I know you don't sit there 24-7 thinking, what can I do right now to glorify God? You might want to think about that every once in a while and pray on it and study on it. But as you grow, that should be you, right? That should become you. We are trying to be like Christ. He's given us the great example. And as disciples, we are to become his glory because we live a life that the world does not understand. The world thinks it's silly. Yet we have great joy that surpasses all understanding because of that. Paul speaks of those who first trusted in verse 12 and 13 that we mentioned. And then he says, you also trusted. He's kind of making a distinction there between The Jews, who he was, who first trusted in Christ Jesus. And then he's talking to the Gentiles here. And he says, you also trusted in verse 13. We can't make too much of that distinction because even though he's talking about those who are first trusted and received this blessing, the the Gentiles did too. We have too. And so the Jews have received the same thing that Gentiles have. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten. I know to us, that probably doesn't seem like that big a deal. Yeah, we, we understand that. But when this was written, think about that. That was a big deal, right? There were still Jews who were Christians who still had a problem with the Gentiles. In fact all i got to do is read about Peter and Cornelius, right? You can understand that a little bit. So that was a big deal to them. Paul's showing them the gospel was not just for the Israelites, not just for the Jews for all. And that blessing we can all partake in in Christ. So, we have every reason to praise God, right? We have every reason to praise God for what he did for us. Nothing that we did. We were in sin. We were carnal. Slaves to sin. But in the fullness of time he sent his son. He redeemed us as Paul says here. He forgave us. As Paul says here in verse 7 and 8, he revealed his will to us, the great mystery, verses 9 and 10, as he says there, and he's given us an inheritance that we read about in verses 11 and 12. Why would anybody reject that? Why? I know they do. I don't understand it. I guess it's as Paul said about Demas, right, in Colossians. He loved this present world more. So I guess there is that. It's all about who you love more that you'll follow, right? So as we end today, I I want you to understand. Young people, I want you to understand what great blessing God has given you. Take advantage of it. It's here for you. Those of us who've been around a while, we don't have much time left, right? Some more, some more than others. But you guys got your whole life ahead of you. Take advantage of it now. Don't waste it. Be ready in all things to defend your faith to the world who doesn't understand. And by the way, wait, there's more. Next week, we'll talk about the blessings that we have through that spirit. And by the way, did you know there is a Holy Spirit, young people? Did you know that? We'll talk about that. I don't guess you'll be in here next week, sorry, but good thing to study on while you're thinking about these things we're talking about today. All right. Thank you for being here today. Time is up.